0: You know, you guys really love to worship because we're almost out of time. <laughs> and you know, it's just kind of funny. I mean, I, I, we have another service. We have first service, and they did the same thing. I mean, that must be we just all needed it today, huh? You know, because worship. This is a lot of times what worship does, even though worship's directly to- towards God. But there's a release that happens in worship. How many of you guys felt that today? Yeah. I mean, there's a release. Something can be released in worship. And listen, when that goes, and if you, we want it. And it seems like, as a church, we really needed it. And so I'm up here. I'm, I'm up here on the front row. I'm saying, God, what's going on? He says, my people need to release what is controlling them so I can come in and help them. Amen. And so that's what's happening. Amen? So come on, let's give a release. Let's give a shout to God. Isn't it worthy? Amen. So um, before I get started, I'm going to just give you the cliff notes on John, 1 John chapter 3. You can start going over in there. Really, I don't even know if I'm going to even look at my notes. I'm just looking at the scripture today. But um, we need to pray for some people. We have some people that are going to Haiti. I think they're all in a meeting right now. Is anybody going to Haiti in here? If you are in here, you're not supposed to be. Anyway, um, <laughs> you are going to meet. But let's just pray for our team that's going to Haiti this, I think, Friday or Saturday. They're going to be leaving for a whole week. and ministering down there in our in the church that we have down there that we support and uh just that that god's just going to bless them and going to bless the people that they're going to have contact with so bow our heads close your eyes let's pray father i just bless our team that's going down there that god you're going to protect them you're going to guide them you're going to lead them i pray for pastor luke as he leads the team that you encourage him that you give him wisdom lord and that, Father God, and uh, that give the pastors that are down there at the church wisdom, Lord. And, Father God, just use our team in a mighty way. Blow their minds in Jesus' name, and, then, and we thank you for it. Everybody say amen. 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 Turn to First John chapter 3, verse 1. Now, there's three things John talks about, and so I want to let these out really quickly. John talk, talks about, in 1 John chapter 3, he talks about... Um, that we are the beloved that this there's an invitation to sonship here okay so we're going to first talk about sonship and then he goes on and talks about that we're our family and then he talks about righteousness in the in sonship and so we're talking about the righteousness of god and how that affects us and so let's look at verse one everybody there seven there here we go you guys ready You better write because there's no notes because I just finished this message last night. So there's no notes. You got ready to run. Number one, verse one, it says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And I love that part. And some of your versions say, behold, and it's like John saying this, behold, behold, This manner of love, it's it's like, it's an explanation. It says, God God poured out this love, behold this manner of love. And if you look in the Greek, this is what it's talking about. It's like this love is from another world. We have never seen this type of love before. Now, 2,000 years later, we don't see it that way. But John is, you know, this is new, this type of love he said and behold what kind of love has a father given to us that we should be called the children of God and so it's like this he said this love has been poured out and we have never seen this before it's like out of this world it's foreign to every one of us and it's an invitation and that love is an invitation by God that we would become the children of God And he's laying it out for all of us that we could become the children of God. And a lot of times, let let me dispel a little myth here. we, we, We sometimes say, I've said it, you probably said that everyone in the earth is a child of God. That's not true. Everyone in this this earth is God's creation and God loves his creation, but not all are the children of God. And the way we become children of God, the Bible says very clearly that when we accept the invitation by faith, we give him our lives. We become the children of God. So he says, see or behold, what kind of of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God. So God spreads this love out and he's saying, here's my love. I'm giving it out to you. You have a right, in a sense, to sonship. And that's my first point, right to sonship. And it's not the right that I demand sonship God. That would kind of be stupid. I wouldn't do that. It's the invitation to sonship. We have a right because he's given us this invitation. Here, you have This love. This love that we have never seen before. This type of love we have never seen. Here it is. And God wasn't obligated to give this love. It wasn't some kind of condition that his love was based on. He extended his love and he gave us this invitation. And we read through scripture that we are brought near by the blood of Jesus. We were far off. We were sinful. We were in rebellion. But he poured out his love for you and I. Behold, see this great love. Because, you know... It just doesn't make sense, and this is a foreign concept, but this is here. So if we are in Christ, there's something great here. It's, it's an extension, and look what he says. He goes on. He says, the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. The reason why the world doesn't know us is because it doesn't know him, because it, they look at it and seem, it's strange they look at us as believers. the world doesn't. It's strange. You mean you have to love your enemy, and they don't get it because they don't know him. I mean, before, we didn't get it, did we? How many' ever done something, you're a believer, and you've done something to somebody else, and you blessed them, or you helped them, and, or you bought something for them, or you just loved on them? or you encouraging them and they're thinking, "Why are you doing that? How many' ever had that before? Why are you doing that? So if we are in Christ, in a sense, we are strange. In Scripture, it calls us that we are strangers and aliens in a place where our character, our nature, and our purpose is different from the world around us. Did you know that? When you accept this invitation to become a believer, you become different. The Christian life, the Christian purpose, its culture, and the surrendered life to Jesus does not make sense to this world. But that's okay. Jesus didn't make sense either. And that's a good thing. It's okay. And so John says here, Behold this love. And this love that he shed abroad to us is an invitation. And now we are children. He says, Beloved, we are now children of God. Aren't you glad you're a child of God? Because you can accept that invitation. But the invitation has been given to everyone. It's just some people just don't understand it. You know, the reason I understand a little bit more of the love, I'm not there yet. The reason I've accepted, I'm experiencing the love of God every day. And it's my job to see that the love of God goes out to everyone else and so they can experience because that's the invitation. The invitation is out there. And I love that because that's that's what John's talking about. He says, everything, behold this manner of love. And so it's foreign. It's a what in the world kind of love is this? But we get to pursue that love. We get to have that. And so this great love brought us in to sonship. He brought us in to sonship, but there's something more there. It's not just a relationship up there and down here between me and God. That love is so strong, it's almost like what really is an extension of creation. The creation story that we were designed as humans. See, just because... We have a heavenly father. That there is something else just beyond that. So if I'm in Christ, God is my dad. God's my father, right? If you're in Christ, God is your father. What does that make you and I? It's not brothers and sisters. We are we are a family. We are brothers and sisters. We have a spiritual family in God under the Heavenly Father. And this is built into the really the structure of Christianity. It's actually built into the design of humanity. See, Adam, when he was in the Garden of Eden, he had something awesome. He had God. He had the Trinity, and he had a relationship. And he screwed it up. But anyway, we won't go there. But you think that was all that he ever needed. But God designed in something in him. He designed a need in him. He designed a need for other people, other humans, to have a relationship with humans not just with God but with other humans that he so he created a woman so there would be fellowship and there would be intimacy with another human and God had designed all humans this way so yes we have a heavenly father when we come to Christ and that's awesome and that's amazing but this great love that's been poured out is not just for up here this vertical relationship it's also that love that great love that we don't understand is also to go horizontally. And so I can love my brother as myself. I can love my enemies. I can love the people around me. And God's designed that because the spiritual reality, there's a a spiritual expression of love between God and man. But there's a natural or a physical expression of that too. And Christ humbled himself, he poured himself out, he took on flesh, he comes to earth, he dwells among us, he put on skin, and he he relates with what we relate with, so he can he can understand what we can go through what we've been going through, and he can sympathize with that. That he he took the curse upon humanity on the cross and paid the price for our sins so we can have this love poured out on us, this great love, but not just for us and God, but for us and others. And so Christ prays in John 17, he prays this, the book of John, not the first John, the book of John, the gospel of John, he prays for unity in the church so that people would recognize that we are his, and that we are his followers, and that we were one with one another because we're one with Christ just as Christ is one with the Father. Christ said, I pray that they would be one as you and I, God, are one. And as Christ prays, and the father one, he wants unity in the church. He wants love in the church, and that is built in us. And it's not just a blessing. It's actually a responsibility. If you're in Christ, you are obligated to love your brothers and your sisters in Christ, to be a family to them, to know them, to care for them, to meet their needs. And Scripture says, yes, love those and, love those and bless those who persecute you. Love your enemy. It does say that. But it also says, show love especially to those who are in the family of God. Particularly to your brothers and sisters in Christ. We are to love each other as a family. And we have to do this. This is not an option. And so when John's saying, beloved, look at at this great love. That great love is not, not just with God and you, that's with everybody else. And see, this is what happens in the, our culture in America right now, is that we come to church, and, and I, I believe it started from us leaders, that we have to produce a product that you're going to love, you're going to like, you're going to like the music, you're going to like the preaching, and you're going to definitely like the coffee. That's a good thing. That's a godly thing, right? But did you get your coffee here, or did you get it somewhere else? Oh, okay, anyway. Um, <laughs> But we want that. And so that's why every church that's built now has a coffee shop. But in a lot of things, and this is our mentality, that I can come in here and I can, I can, I, I love this part of the love of God, me and God, and we worship and we're great and then we turn around and we go out and we have no relationship with the family. And I'm not just talking about family in this church. I'm talking about the family in First Baptist or First Christian or wherever it is. We are the family of God, and that love has been poured out, and it's an obligation by us to do that, to love there. And we need to break out of that culture. You're in Christ. I'm in Christ. And we have the same purpose. We have the same direction. We have the same called outness. We're in a spiritual family, and it's really amazing. See what kind of love, behold, what kind of love that God has for us that we demonstrate that love for each other. And this is what the world, and listen, this is what Jesus says. The world does not accept this. They can't see this. They don't understand this. In fact, some of you, you may be in here today, and you don't know the Lord, and you're thinking, why in the world do they spend so much time singing the same song You sang it over and over and over again. Why? Come on already. There's other songs out there. Someone turn on the air condition. Where's Luke? God, I'm hot. It's like hell in here. It's not supposed to be like that. I'm sorry. I really don't have time to be doing this, but... So you're sitting there and you're thinking, why? It's because there's an experience of the love of God and that we just love it. And sometimes those songs, those words, three, four words capture what we have in the Lord. And just is great. And we have this, and, and the family together doing it. There's something so awesome that happens and it should compel us to do this, to encourage one another. To love one another, to speak life into one another. One of the reasons John, and I said this a number of weeks ago, wrote the book of First John was not just to talk about the, the inaccuracies of some, some people that are speaking the word, but was because the lack of love among the believers. And he's saying we have such a great love, love others, and none of us are perfect, Right? None of us are perfect. Some of you walked in with some people that you're not even loving yet. But when we start to dwell on that love that he has vertically for us, that he's given, he's poured out, the more we understand, the more we receive, the more we give. Amen? And that's so awesome, right? God has that for us, but we have to get there. The world doesn't understand that because love to them is like, I love you, but I also love this chocolate candy bar. I love this candy, and I love you as a person, but this is cheaper, and it's sweeter. I mean, we don't, have, we don't understand love sometimes, right? I mean, how many of you guys didn't understand love, and maybe still, we're all still learning, but even before you got saved, you just didn't know? I don't, it's not about me, it's about you. It's about him, it's about you. The world doesn't get that. But we're the model, Jesus said, right? They will know you're of me, by how you love one another. And that's what he's getting to here. And he says, what kind of love? And then in verse 10, and I'm going to skip down just a minute. Look at verse 10. It says, by this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. But look at this last statement. Nor is the one who does not love his brother. Did you hear that? Okay, I'll read it again because no one said yes. By this, it is evident who are the children of God who have the who are the children and who are the children of the devil whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God nor is the one who does not love his brother Thank you Behold what kind of love we have And when you receive that you're not just receiving so you can get goosebumps with the father so you can impart that to somebody else. Amen. So we have the sonship. And that sonship. And that's how we behave as a son. Is that. Or as a daughter. Is we love God with all of our heart. And we love others as ourselves. Number two. And really, really the last thing. The second point in my notes anyway. Is the righteousness. The rightness of being a son. What does that mean? The right standing. So we're family. We have all this. But not just the right to sonship but the righteousness of sonship look look t- turn a little bit back to chapter 2 verse 48 i mean excuse me to verse 28 chapter 2 28 and says and this is the last verse we talked about last week and it says and now little children abide in him so that when he appears we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming and if you know that he is righteous you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. So the idea, again, of being children of God and being born of him, there's something has to be the evidence of that. There has to be an evidence or a proof that's a result that I'm saved, that I'm a believer. How many ever wondered this? That am I really saved? I have. But how do I know? How do I know? And so he talks about loving. That's definitely true. Loving our brothers. Loving God. There's a great love here. But there's an evidence. There's a a proof within ourselves that we are children of God. And this is what he starts going into. So look at verse 4. Because it's about righteousness. It's about the righteousness of sonship. And look what he says here. Whoever commits sin. These are scary words right here. So Hang on with me. Whoever commits sins also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness, and that's true. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. It's talking about Jesus, and in him, in Jesus, there is no sin. Verse six: Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has has neither seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteousness. He who sins is of the devil. You guys remember Church Lady from Saturday Night Live? That just came up in my mind. It's nothing about Jesus. But anyway, he who sins is of the devil. Some of you don't remember it at all. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this, she said Satan... Anyway, um, for, for this purpose, the Son of God, listen to me, was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever's been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he's been born of God. Now, what does this all mean? Our new nature, we're born of the Spirit, and we have the character of God. We have have the character of God running through us, the fruit of the Spirit, the righteousness comes from Christ. And it's the proof that we are children of God. So when John writes... No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. And no one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, don't deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, but he who practices sinning is of the devil. And you're thinking, son, I sin a lot. I don't know if you call it practicing, but I'm pretty good at it. How many of you are believers. That means you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Just raise your hand, okay? So, how many of you, after you accepted Him as Lord and Savior, became a believer, sinned? You're screwed. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm joking. I'm joking. (laughs) I really need to get on with this. Okay. (laughs) So, you know, we want to make sure that we, we, we look at this passage correctly. Because we're going to have to interpret Scripture with Scripture. That's how you interpret Scripture. You just don't take one and take it out of the context. You see what the full Word of God says. The full Word of God does not contradict itself. It proves itself. Okay? The Bible says that no one slips through the hands of Christ. And if you are in Him, you are eternally in Christ. The Bible says we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. All these things we see in Scripture tell us that if you're in Christ, if you trust it by faith in Christ, you are in him forever. Now, this passage doesn't mean that if I sin once a week or once a day, and some of you maybe once an hour, I don't know, that I lose my salvation. That's not what it's saying here. And I'm not going into once saved, always saved, that I can do whatever I want. And No, that's not what it's saying either. We're not sinning our way out of salvation. You can't sin your way out of salvation. And we also know that Scripture also tells us this. Saved people, people who have given their life to Christ, sin. We see that in 1 John, right? 1 John 1 says that if we say we don't sin, we are what? liars the truth is not in us and if we say that we haven't sinned it says that we you don't know the father and that's to say before we came to christ we sinned and in christ we sin and we can't claim we don't sin so john acknowledges something saints people who are saved who are christians sin christian sins every one of us have sinned and if you're in Christ. You're not perfect. Have you figured that out yet? All of us have sinned. And I'm not making, I don't want to make light of sin. Because what does sin do? Does It destroys. It brings death, right? Even as a Christian, it can bring death to you. So it's wrong and it's not right. And it can bring you away from God. But if you're in Christ, you're not, you're not perfect. The only thing that's perfect inside of you is your spirit man. It is perfect. And I think what he's getting at here is when we look at some of the evidence that he points to. If you're in Christ, he says, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. Verse 9, for God, the seed, Holy Spirit, abides in him. That character of God, that indwelling of the Holy Spirit, that new nature that we've been given, we are repurposed, right? There's a new creation in here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Don't turn this. As the old has gone, the new has come. You are a new creation in Christ. It's something new. It's a new life, a new character, a new spirit inside of you that wasn't there before. And if you're in, in Christ Jesus, and that is true, then you have this new character. And this is the new purpose. You're on a new trajectory. You have a new orientation. You've surrendered to that. That's the nature of God in you. So he says... If you make a practice of sinning, basically, you're out of character. This is what John's saying. So if you make a practice of sinning, you're out of character. You're out of the nature that's within you. And you can't do that. You can't continue in that sin without any conviction by the Holy Spirit. Now, this is the proof that you're saved right here. He's saying this as a believer. A believer who has the Spirit of God inside of him or her, will not practice sin. It doesn't mean you won't sin because you, already, you all know, you're already screwed up. You already know you sinned. And you may sin a number of times, and you may sin, be innocent for a long time, but there's something inside of you, right? How many ever sinned and something inside of you tries to say, no. Don't go that way. Tries to get you to pulls you or tries to help you to go in and press into God. And you have that inside of you. If you have that inside of you when you sin, you're saved. Amen? That is the evidence. Because listen, before I got saved, I didn't have that evidence. The only evidence I had was my Mama. And if she found out, she would tell my dad, who when he found out, would get mad and beat the crap out of me. That's the only Holy Spirit I knew back then, and they weren't holy back then either. (laughs) If my mom was here, I would tell you stories on her, but I won't. But anyway, but when you sin and you have that, oh, no. That is wrong. That is the Holy Spirit trying to get you to press in to the things of God and to turn around. How many guys like football? I love football. Football is one of my favorite sports. I mean, I love football. I love playing football. I love it. I mean, I love I love all sports, but football was I was the only, that was pretty much the only thing I was good at, and um and it wasn't good enough to actually be really good. But anyway, you have this team and and you have the team that's on offense and they're all they have the same jerseys, and they're going the same direction. It's like Christianity. We're, we're all the same. We're going the same direction. We see the goal. We see we see the end zone. And as my wife would put it, when you get past the end zone, that's a home run. But anyway, um, <laughs> so you get a touchdown, and, um, and you, uh, that's where you're going. That's your goal, and you're going that direction. But how many has ever seen that the, those, those videos where that guy who got just turned around started going the other way. And everybody's yelling out at him, Hey, stupid, turn around! That's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I don't know if he calls you stupid, but I hear that sometimes. <laughs> He's telling me to turn around. I'm going the wrong way direction and if you continue in sin without any conviction and this is what John's saying uh, then you're not you're not saved because the spirit of God in you and he declares in you see here's another word for conviction declaring and this is what the spirit of God does it's not like he's condemning or he's controlling he's reminding who you are and who your nature is now He's saying, Sean, that's not you. That's not who you are anymore. So he's reminding me, and this reminder does this to me. You're right. I don't need that. I need you. And I go back into that love, behold this love that's there for me. And that's why he says... In, in John 1, and turn back to John 1, I mean, I, I wasn't planning on this, but turn back to John 1, 1 John 1. 1 John 1.1. And he says, and he, and he starts out, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, we have seen with our own eyes. And we looked up with touch of our concerning the word of life. And he says in verse, uh, in verse 4, and we're writing these things so you can be complete. And this message we've heard from you, we've claimed that God is light, and in him there's no darkness at all. And I love that. In verse 7, but if we walk in the light, and as he is in light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. And if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And if we confess our sin, he is faithful. And so he's saying, if you do sin, If you confess your sin, he is faithful and just, forgives our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Amen? And that's what that that does. The Holy Spirit says, hey, turn around. Go a different direction. And he reminds you because this is who you are. You've been bought with a price. It's no longer you that live. It's no longer your selfishness and the things you want. It's all about him and what God wants in your life. And this is what he's saying to us. Just turn around, move, change. So your life can be marked by the character of God again. And so the Holy Spirit empowers us to live righteously. And so if you and I are a believer... That's going to come out. If you're in Christ, you are not marked or characterized by sin. You might commit sin. You might struggle with sin. And it might struggle with it for a long time, but that's not you because the Holy Spirit keeps you turning around and relying on who God is and what the Holy Spirit says. And he goes on, and how do we do that? In chapter 2, the verse, in verse 28 that we read, abide in him. So that when He appears, we can have confidence in Him. And at the end of chapter 3, it says we need to abide in Christ. So when we abide, this is what we mean. Every moment, every day, we live by faith. We trust God's will. We trust His plan. And we trust the power that He has within us. And when He says turn, we obey and we turn. And we live like Him. And we press in to His character. We press in to the things of God. And we practice righteousness. That's what it means by practicing righteousness. That's what it means when we sin, to turn around and to do that. And I love that. And when we do that, we do that. And then verse 10, he talks about righteousness. Whoever does not practice righteousness not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. The righteousness of God is in you. And it's not just practicing righteousness here. It's practicing righteousness here that people can see it by your love for one another. Amen. Isn't that good? You guys get something out of that. I mean, I know that was quick. I didn't mess up all of my message, but come on, give him praise for that. Amen. <laughs> so what do I do with this? Nothing can separate you from his love nothing the sin that you've done just last night and you didn't want to come in here this morning because you're afraid you're going to be condemned but you know something inside of you is saying turn and you came in today you turn. listen to that voice because the more you listen to that voice the less you are listening to these other voices trying to get you away from that amen And see, God poured out His love for you and I. Behold, what manner of love is this? That He invited you and I to become children of God so we can have that relationship restored with God and that we can love others and walk with Him and have that seed inside of us, Holy Spirit inside of us, to lead us, to guide us, and to empower us to live righteously, to have a righteous life. Amen? Bow your heads, close your eyes. So right now, right where you're at, just your eyes closed. Just, Just, just realize that you are part of the kingdom. If you've accepted Jesus, you're part of the kingdom. But maybe there's some things that inside of you that you're not loving your brother. Maybe you have fun forgiveness towards someone. Just release that right now. Maybe God told you to go be an encourager to someone. You have yet to do that. Well, just make that commitment to do that. That's righteous living. Maybe you've been in that, that sin and everything. You've been feeling condemned. Condemnation never gets you out of sin. Only his love and his power can do that. So you know you've been doing wrong, but you keep on turning. Keep on turning and get help. And that's why we're family, and that's why God has us together, to help each other, iron to sharpen iron. That each one of us. And so make that commitment to, to not just come in here on a Sunday and ignore Relationships. When you come in here on Sunday, and if you're visiting with us, listen, build relationships here. Get into a small group. Come into some of the activities that we have, the ministry things. Or just keep coming and come early and get some coffee and talk to somebody. Because, yeah, God and your relationship is great, but we need each other. To really practice righteousness, I need brothers and sisters in me, to help me. And there may be times that because I've ignored the Holy Spirit in my life, I need somebody else to say, Sean! And allow the Holy Spirit to speak through them. I need each other. So, Father, we commit to you right now, and we thank you, Lord, that you love us and that you care for us. And we commit to live righteously, to practice righteousness, not in our own power, we can't do it in that but to do it in your power and your authority. And so we give everything to you right now. We choose love, that invitation to love you with all of our heart and to love others as ourselves. To start to, to experience that love and to understand that love more and more so we can spread it out to everyone around us, even to this world that they'll even see us and may not understand us completely, but as they watch us closely, as they hear us talk, watch us and see how we act that Father God they'll begin to experience the love that we have because it comes out of us unto other people and so we thank you Lord and we bless you for that in Jesus name everyone's head bowed eyes closed there may be somebody in here I've been talking about this love and you're wanting it and when I talked about you know when you do things wrong you don't really have that inside thing that says stop you just don't want to get caught But you know you're missing something in your life, and so you're sitting there, and you're saying, man, there must be something more in this life, and I need something more. And you're feeling drawn to this place. You're not here by accident. God knew you would be here. And over 2,000 years ago, he sent his son to die on a cross for you and me, and he had this moment in his mind that you would be here at Cornerstone Church in 2016. And you know you need to change your life. And you've tried to change it yourself. you try to get things to make you happy. But nothing's working. Because you were created to have a relationship with God and with others of the family of God. And I want to give you an opportunity. Because the invitation's been given out by God Himself to come into His family. And the step you need to do, take to take, do that is to say, Yes, God. I give you my life, and I accept all that Jesus did for me. I make him the Lord of my life. I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And the Bible says when you do that, you are saved. And the love and the forgiveness of God floods into your life. And you start a journey today that you'll never look back on and regret. And will thank God all the time that you can feel the real love of God now. So if that's you and you want that today, I can't force you, but I want to pray with you right where you're at. And this is what I ask you to do. Just right where you're at, just to lift your hand to the sky and you can put it down. Okay, you can put your hands down all over. Anybody else? This is Pastor Sean, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus today. Anybody else? Okay, you can put your hands down. Thank you, Jesus. This is what I want to do. I want to pray for all of you. And if you raised your hand, or even if you didn't, you're just nervous and didn't do this, we're going to pray a prayer. And everyone in this room is going to repeat this prayer after me. I want you to pray that prayer and it with all your heart. And God's going to come into you and he's going to forgive you. He's going to show you his love. He's going to make his home in you and he's going to become your father. And it's going to be a new day, a new beginning in you. So everybody in here, pray after this prayer after me. Repeat this prayer right now. Say, Father God, I confess Jesus as the Lord of my life. I give him everything. I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me, to take my sin, everything that I've done wrong, past, present, and future upon himself so I may have life. So I give you my life and I receive your life now. Fill me up with your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. And from this day forward, I will live for you. Amen. Come on, give the Lord praise, amen? (laughs) Amen. I love that. Everybody, get out your bulletin, and in your bulletins, your connection card. And if you prayed that prayer for the first time, listen, I want to know about it. I want to pray with you, but I need to send you some information because this is the first step. And we want to let you know what is next. Okay, we want to give you for information, even information about what happened. So if you can fill that connection card out, and on the back of the connection card is a box that says, "I gave my life to Jesus today." Check that box out, and this week we'll send you a letter and send you some more information, and we'll be praying for you this week. And we want to follow up on you and and make sure you know exactly what happened, okay? So do that, and then the offering baskets go by. Just put it in there, and they'll take it, and we'll get it later on. Amen? Come on, give the Lord praise. And let's welcome Bill as he shuts us down today.